0: All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Everybody alive and well today? All right. That's what I'd like to hear. Awesome. Um, I just want to kind of like just reiterate what Caitlin said. If you're not doing the 2020 challenge, I'd encourage you to jump on in, uh, hop on that website, and get in on there. God is doing some awesome stuff in people's lives, and I, I promise you that you will be encouraged, you'll be challenged, and you will be drawn closer to Jesus as you jump in with that. Um, We're doing a new sermon series uh, called Set Free, and I just really believe today God wants to come and bring some freedom to us, and so I don't know how you came in this morning, but I just encourage you to have an open heart to whatever God wants to do in your life. I've never been really much of a mechanical type guy. I know some guys out there, just that's their thing, motors and grease and trucks and all that kind of stuff. That's not really me. Um, I can tell you where the motor is. Um, I can jump a dead battery, but beyond that, if you need some help or assistance, I'm probably the wrong guy to call if you're stuck on the side of the freeway, because if you call me, I probably will come, but I'll just be staring at the motor with you. I won't actually know uh, what to do in that situation, but a few summers ago, I bought this truck, this, this, uh, this old used uh, Ford F-150, and I was going to get it the oil changed at Uh, an oil change place, went down and saw that it was going to be a lot more expensive to get it changed than my uh, vehicle had before. So I thought, okay, I'll save some money. I'll just change the oil myself. Everybody says that changing the oil and filter is supposed to be really easy. So I'll save myself some money and um, away we go. Well, draining the oil on this thing was no problem at all. Just unscrew the bolt, have the pan there and, and away you go. But changing the filter on this thing was a whole different issue. The filter was tucked way up inside the engine at this really weird angle that was almost impossible to get to. You could reach up there and touch it, but it was really hard to, to give it, have enough leverage to actually turn this thing and get it loose. But I sure tried. I tried to loosen this thing from every angle. I tried from under the truck. I tried from the side of the truck. Tried reaching over the, the wheel well at all different angles. I tried from on top of the truck. I just kept going at this thing, going at this thing, trying to get this thing loose. Um, I actually went down to O'Reilly's. I got a new um, oil filter change thingy, whatever they're called. Uh, Thought that might help. It didn't help. And as my hands and my arms are becoming more and more banged up, I became more frustrated. This was becoming way more work than I was expecting. Changing the oil in the filter is supposed to be easy, even for mechanical morons like me. It's supposed to be a piece of cake. But this was turning out to be impossible. Most smart people in that moment go, okay, well, this is just not working out. Thought it'd take half an hour. It's not taking half an hour. Um, just go down to the mechanic and get them to do it, but not me. Because this was no longer just an oil change. This was now a battle. This, this, this was a test of my manhood. It was man versus oil filter, and I was going to win this battle no matter what. Well, several hours later, um, a couple friends happened to stop by. One of them was a former mechanic, and he graciously offered to help. First thing he did is he bombed home. He grabbed the, the, his own personal oil change filter thingy and came back. He took four bolts off of this engine plate cover uh, thing And he had the the filter changed in under 10 minutes. And I'm like, seriously, it's that easy? It's it's that, that simple? It turns out that there was a better way to do the job. And I feel like this is a picture of how following Jesus is for so many people. You start off experiencing his freedom. You start off experiencing his joy. You found the life. Just to the full, and you anticipate that there will be challenges, but with God living inside of you, you're like, I'll be able to handle any challenges that come my way because I've got Jesus living in here. I can tackle anything with Jesus. And then we set off on this journey of following Jesus, and what we expect to be life-giving, and what we expect to be freedom-bringing, ends up being something else. It ends up being a lot of really, really hard work. We keep failing, we keep messing up, and in the end... We get so frustrated, we get so discouraged that we just want to quit because no matter how hard we try, we just can't seem to measure up. And I believe what God wants to do this morning is come along and say, hey, there is a better way to be living the Christian life than the way you're living it. It's not supposed to be as much work as you're making it out to be. In the Bible, there was a group of people from a city called Galatia. Um, They were followers of Jesus at one time. They had known the joy and the freedom that comes with following Jesus. But over time, they became shackled. Not by addiction, not by fear, not by worry. No, they became shackled by religion. Without even realizing it, they had turned away from the freedom that Christ came to bring and were becoming enslaved to a way of living that says, you need to work really hard at measuring up if you're going to have any kind of favor with God. And in the first book of Galatians, chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, he, who, who started and founded the church, he comes along and addresses the situation writing these words. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. If you were to, to read all of Paul's letters in the New Testament, he wrote, wrote 13 of them. If you were to read all of his letters, you would find out pretty quick that he, he has a particular kind of style in, in his writing. And every communicator has a style. If you've been around here for a length of time, you know that my style is pretty similar. I'll typically start off with a story, start, start off pretty light, and then we'll kind of like jump in further and further into the meat of God's word. And, and Paul has a style too. He usually starts off his letters with these pleasantries, with these affirmations before he gets to the heart of the letter. And when a speaker drastically veers away from their typical style, their typical pattern, we need to pay attention because what they're about to say really matters. If I were to come up here today and just come and stand up here with my arms crossed, furrowed brow, and say, hey, I don't know what's going on around here, but I really need to get some stuff off my chest, you'd be like, oh. Oh. We're just about to say something that I might want to pay attention to. And and this is what Paul does. He skips all the usual formalities, all the pleasantries, and he gets right down to business. Why? Because something has gone way off track with this Galatian church. Some people are perverting the gospel, Paul says. They are taking what's supposed to be good news, what's supposed to be freedom-bringing news, and they are making it into something that it's not, something that, that, is, that is all about hard, draining work. And some of you may know what this is like. Maybe when you found Jesus, you found freedom. And it was like, it was like dark storm clouds just covering your life, and, and it's like this, they just parted, and blue skies, and your heart, your soul, just knew this whole new freedom, this whole new joy. You are free from sin, free from the guilt, free from the shame. But then you found out that rules and restrictions apply. You ever had this happen? Maybe you you got excited about a brand new cell phone plan. The ad says unlimited data. You're excited because you're about to binge on Netflix for the rest of your life. But then, no, wait, some rules and restrictions apply. It's only unlimited, up to 2.7 gigabytes, and after that, your next Netflix show reloads every two seconds. And, and people start off free in Christ. But then what happens is the enemy can come along and say, no, nah, it's, it's, it's not that good. There's, there's some rules and some restrictions. There's some fine print in there that, that you might have missed that you need to read a little bit better. And this is, is, is exactly what's happening to the church of Galatia. You see, back in, in Paul's day, 2,000 years ago... Most of the new Christians were, were Jews and they'd been raised to follow and to obey the, the Old Testament law. And the Old Testament law, if you've ever read through the books of Exodus and Leviticus, you, you see really quick there's laws about everything. There's laws about what you can and cannot eat. You can't eat bats but you can eat pigeons. I mean there's all kinds of rules around what you can wear, um, how you need to, to take care of your land. Uh, rules and laws around honoring your, your parents, around not lying, not coveting, all kinds of different laws. And today in the church, we think of these, these laws back then as kind of like a ball and chain that, thank God, we don't have to, have to follow anymore, but for the people in the Old Testament who understood God's intention with these laws, they actually love the law. Last week, we defined freedom like this. Freedom Is not the right to do what we want, which, by the way, is what our our country interprets freedom to be. Freedom is not the right to do what we want, but the the ability to do what we ought. It's making the choices that will lead to life, not death and destruction. Well, because of sin, and because of how sin corrupts human nature, and and humanity was unable to do what they ought. Unable to, to follow God's way. And so God comes along, And if you are here last week, we talked a bit about this, God comes along and he puts some guardrails, some laws in place, and like the guardrails along the Deception Pass Bridge, if you've ever been there, they aren't there to rob you of freedom, no, they're actually there to help keep you on the path that leads to life. And that was God's intention with these laws. And and one author in in the book of Psalms who understood the point of the laws, he described them like this, he said, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Your statutes are my delight. I will walk about in what? In freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. The laws were good, but they were woefully inadequate. And here's why. The law, which was meant to be a blessing, ended up actually placing a curse on us and that the people were... it was impossible to follow the, these laws because of humanity's corrupt, sinful nature. It's like this. Um, if you have uh, a kid that loves candy. I have one kid that, that you've heard of before, Taylor, who loves candy. And, and imagine, um, imagine your, your child who loves candy. And you decide, uh, maybe they're, they're uh, Taylor's 17, but she's loved candy her whole entire life. Um, I don't know if the nurses gave her lollipops right after she was born and we just didn't notice or whatever, but she's always loved candy. Imagine for a second that Taylor is two years old and she's got her her short curly hair, her bubbly personality, all that, and as her dad, knowing that she loves candy, I decide to give her a treat. And since it's game day and, and Beast Mode is back, let's just say the treat is a jar of Skittles, big jar of Skittles. And I place it in the middle of the floor. They're there to bless her. But I know that if she eats all of those candies at once, all those Skittles at once, what's going to happen? She's going to get sick. And so what I do is I, is, is I care about her so I put a law in place. Only ten Skittles a day. Now remember, she's a toddler. We're imagining her back as a toddler. Ten Skittles a day. If she breaks the law, she's going to get punished. And because I'm just, I can't allow disobedience to go on unpunished. And so there's going to be some consequences. The law, only 10 Skittles a day, is meant to be a blessing. It will help her experience the joy of eating Skittles without getting sick. But guess what the law is quickly going to become? It's almost going to become like a curse in that she's not going to be able to follow it. For starters, what's the first thing that's going to happen when you put a rule in place? Happens all the time. First thing that happens when you put a rule in place is you want to break it. If I was to stand up here and say, hey, whatever you do, do not look at that wall, what do you all want to do right now? Go ahead and look at it because you're going to be thinking about that the whole service. You want to look at the wall. And the other reason that the 10 Skittle law is going to become almost like a curse is that it's a law that is going to be impossible for her or for any other child to follow. 10 Skittles a day? Not going to happen. She's going to break it. When she does, two things are going to happen. One, she's going to get sick from what will likely be eating the whole jar at one time. And, and worst of all, though, she's going to become distant from her dad because whenever a kid disobeys their parents, what's the first thing that they do? They hide. Come on, you know what it was like when you were a kid. You break mom and dad's rules and you go, you go into hiding. You find a closet where you can eat all those Skittles uh, without anybody seeing you. You, you, you hide. And, and this is exactly what happened to God's people in the Old Testament. They would constantly break God's laws. They would constantly suffer the consequences. And they would constantly, if you read through the Old Testament, they would end up far from God. And eventually, God's people would pull themselves up. They'd start obeying all the laws again. And then they'd fall. And over time, what happened is the whole point of the law gets missed. The whole point of the law is to keep God's people living in a way that they'll experience life. What's true life as described in the Bible? It, it's, it's one thing. Jesus in John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. True life, true life is knowing God, period. If you're trying to find life in any other way, th- let me just tell you this morning, this, this is it. It is knowing God. And the point of all these laws were to help people know and to be in relationship with God. But with all the laws and with all the breaking of all the laws, not only does the relationship get missed, but the way to have the relationship gets twisted. Pretty soon, it's not through simple faith and trust that we have relationship with God. Pretty soon, it's through following all these rules and all these laws, which is exactly what happened to God's people in the Bible. Paul wrote in Romans how they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Going back to the whole Skittle Jar example, um, my daughter Taylor, she has a relationship with me regardless of whether or not she follows the rules. I love and am pleased with her whether she obeys and eats tin Or disobeys and eats the whole jar of a couple thousand. But if she keeps breaking the rules and getting punished for breaking them, what's she eventually going to start thinking? She's going to start thinking the only way to have dad's favor is to earn it by following the rules that he's put in place. You see what's going on here? If you've been tracking with, with all this law talk and rules and obeying all this kind of stuff, you see how this leads to bondage and not to freedom. You're left in a place of working really hard to earn God's favor, following all the rules and all the regulations as best as you can, but realizing you can never perfectly keep all the rules. You want to know what religion is? Religion is a system of rules and regulations that you follow in order to find favor with God. It's a system. It's rules and regulations and laws Doesn't matter if it's the Muslim religion, Judaism, Mormonism, Buddhism, whatever. They are all systems built with the goal of helping you earn favor with God. Religion isn't life giving, religion isn't freedom bringing, it's bondage. It will always lead to either despair or pride. It will lead to despair and that you go, I can't follow all these rules and regulations. Or it will lead to pride because you'll be looking around at everybody else around you going, man, I'm doing a better job than everybody else of following the rules and regulations. Paul, in in the book of Romans 7, after unpacking the despair that he was living under in the religion of Judaism, he writes, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, he goes on to say, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, what Jesus does is he sets us free from all the striving, the hard work, the despair, the pride that goes with religion. How? He comes along by, by breaking the curse that was on us for breaking the law. Listen to what Galatians 3 says. This is so important. It says, Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he, was, when he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse For our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus. God has blessed the Gentiles. That's us. With the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit. And these last two words here are so so key. We receive the promised Holy Spirit. Not through hard work. Not through following all the rules. All the regulations. All the stuff. No we receive the promised Holy Spirit. Through faith. Through faith. It's not works. It is all through faith. And what this means is that our right standing with God, it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not we follow the rules. It has everything to do with how Jesus did at following the rules. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't. He paid the price for our sins. He, He broke the curse hanging over us from the law. And when we put our faith and trust in him, the Bible says that he clothes us in his righteousness. He clothes us in his holiness. Now when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see our mistakes. He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our shortcomings. He doesn't see all the times that we eat more than 10 Skittles. No, what he sees is his son's perfection. And the, this understanding it brings with it, great freedom. Great freedom. And maybe you're you're going, Kate, sure, Rich, this is great, but we don't follow those Old Testament laws anymore, um, so what does this actually have to do with us here today? Let me just give you some of the ways that that we pervert the gospel, and and we turn it into a message of, uh, not of freedom, but of bondage. We pervert the gospel when we make something else necessary for salvation besides faith in Christ. When we say, yes about faith in Christ, but I also got to get baptized. It's about faith in Jesus, but I also got to be going to church. It's about faith in Jesus, but I also need to be taking communion, confessing. We also pervert the gospel when we assume that God's acceptance of us is based on how we've been living. Man, he really loves me this week because I've been reading my Bible every day. We also pervert the gospel when we incorrectly believe that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're a good and loving person. That's a perversion of the gospel. We pervert it when we emphasize conforming to rules as a mark of a real Christian. I can't tell you how how many times I've heard a phrase similar to this. Oh, man, that person who goes to church all the time, um, they're like a super Christian. They're like extreme Christian. It's a perversion of the gospel. We pervert it when we emphasize learning correct doctrine where closeness to God is measured by how much you know. We we pervert the gospel when we emphasize practical tips for living where the focus is on what we do. Listen, the power of Christianity is not in what we have done or what we do. It's in what Christ has done. It is in what Christ has done. Jesus' last words on the cross as he hung there were not, okay, the work has begun. No, what did he say? He said, it is finished. Let the freedom of those three words settle into your soul this morning. God says, it's finished. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're not asked to live up to a standard of perfection that's impossible to achieve. Instead, we are given the free gift of Christ's perfection. The Bible calls it His righteousness. It's a free gift. We put our faith and trust in Jesus. And there are some of you in here today whose Christianity resembles an ignorant man working really hard to change an oil filter that should be a whole lot easier to change. Your Christianity looks like that. You're failing. You're, you keep messing up. And in the process, you're getting frustrated. You're getting discouraged. You're just ready to quit. You're just ready to walk away. And this morning, God is not here saying, hey, this is the right way to change the oil filter. No, what he's saying is he's, actually, he's asking you to lay down the tools to stop working, to step back, and have enough faith and trust and his ability and let him do the work today. And if you're in bondage to religion today, you're going, man, Rich, that's just all my faith has ever been. Just rules and I just feel like I'm constantly failing. I'm try- I just try to be perfect and, and just, I, it's just anxiety and I just tied up in knots all the time. If you're in bondage to religion today, stuck trying to earn God's favor that you've already been given through faith and trust in Jesus, I just want to close by pointing you in the direction That will bring you freedom. Here are three things that that you can do to find freedom from religion. First thing is this. Accept that nothing you can do will ever be enough to make you right before God. Accept that nothing you can do will ever be enough to make you right before God. No amount of church attendance. No amount of generosity. No amount of Bible reading, no amount of prayer, no amount of kindness, no amount of of anything will ever be enough to make you right before God. When it comes to all these things I've just listed as a way to make you right before God, the Bible says they're just like filthy rags. You ever tried washing a vehicle with a filthy rag? A muddy, dirty rag? You're smearing the dirt all over the place. It's useless. The only way to be made right before God is through simple faith and trust in Jesus. It's the only way. And if you're a deeply religious person here, someone who has, has spent your whole life working really hard to earn God's approval, let me just warn you, believing this at first will actually cause a lot of upheaval in your life. Because more than likely, what you've been doing is you've been, you've been building your identity and all your self-worth around following a list of rules. And when you realize that all those things don't matter when it comes to be, be made, being made right with God... It actually is kind of ground shaking in a way, but press through because on the other side awaits a freedom and a joy that is truly amazing. In order to be freed from the bondage of religion, we need to realize that we are totally accepted by God and acceptable to God in Christ. Brings a freedom. Second thing is, is this: take your eyes off of how well you're performing and instead place them on how well Jesus performed. Take your eyes off of yourself in your performance, and fix them on Jesus, in his, his performance. You know, the cross is, is glorious, beautiful, messy, perfection. It's perfection. Christ lived a sinless life. He paid the ultimate price by dying on a cross for our sins, and then he rose from the dead in victory. Jesus came to make a point, and his point is, it's not about what you do, it's about what he has done. Not about what you have done, it's about what he has done. This last week, I was actually tempted to go back to religion. So this whole thing, this is like, I'm preaching to the choir here. This has been like my Achilles heel my whole entire life. This last week, I was tempted to go back to religion, and it was subtle, but deadly all at the same time. Um, I've been loving the 2020 challenge and going through this, and this last week, we've been reading through uh, Matthew chapter 1 through verse 7. And Matthew 5 through 7, those whole three chapters, are what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it's this, Jesus just paints this beautiful picture of what the way of Christ looks like. But as I was reading, religious thinking, masked as despair, just kind of started to creep in. And I thought, oh man, I fail miserably at living this out. I judge way more than I care to admit. I I want to be meek. I want to be a peacemaker, I want to be someone who sincerely prays for my enemy, enemies, but so often, I'm just not that person, and this kind of weight just started to like, settle over my spirit, and in that moment, God in His grace, and His mercy comes along and whispers to my soul, Rich, don't forget, it's not about your perfection, it's about mine, and on day five of the challenge... And if if you've been in the app, you've already read this, but I wrote these words. I wrote, my my being perfect as my heavenly father is perfect isn't about me measuring up to God's standard. It's about how Christ did all the measuring up for me on the cross. And the rest is a glorious invite to experience him and become like him. I'm not a big uh, uh, figure skating guy. I don't watch a lot of figure skating. And uh, the only time, though, that I'll watch figure skating is in the Olympics. I don't know if anybody else is in that boat, but um, I, I-, I watch it during the Olympics. And it's always so nerve-wracking watching figure skating in the Olympics because they're doing all these crazy things, and they've got, they're, they're floating around on these really sharp blades. And so as they're doing all their triple luxes and quadruple luxes, and uh, I haven't watched in a while. Are they up to five now? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But... But as they're doing all this stuff, uh, you just don't want them to fall down. But when they do fall down, I've I've always noticed something that, that always happens throughout the rest of the routine. It seems like when they fall down, the rest of the routine is flawless. You ever notice this? It doesn't matter, I don't think, whether it's figure skating or gymnastics or whatever. But they fall down and the rest is flawless. Why? Because the pressure of performing is off. Without that pressure... They find true freedom. And and, and it works the same way with Christ. Listen, you don't have to perform. Did you hear me this morning? You don't have to perform. Let that bring freedom to you today. The gospel message is that the pressure is off. Jesus has done all the performing you'll ever need to do. And and when you take an honest look in the mirror, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see failings, you're going to see sin, you're going to see shortcomings, but don't let that bring discouragement. Instead, take your eyes off of yourself and fix them on Jesus and be reminded that he has done all the work for you. In fact, he is still working on your behalf. The Bible says this, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He is working and he is good and he is faithful and he will bring it to completion. The third thing that you can do to find freedom from the bondage of religion, last thing we're going to close with this, is make friendship with Jesus the center of your faith. This is so important. Make friendship with Jesus the center of your faith. Because when you drift from friendship with Jesus being at the center of your faith, you will inevitably drift into religion. I promise you, it will happen every single time. You will It will look like you have a form of godliness. But it will not have the power, the vibrancy, the strength that is present when friendship with Jesus is at the center of your faith. And when you make your faith about going to church, about serving in ministry, about practicing disciplines, and don't make friendship with Jesus the center, it ends up being religion. Just another system for you to earn favor with God. You know, I find people who have grown up in the church particularly susceptible to falling for this and I know because because I was, I was one of them and, and let me just be as clear as I possibly can this morning, if you have church, if you have Christian beliefs, if you have Christian friends, if you have Christian parents, Christian school, Christian that, Christian this but you don't have a vibrant living relationship with Jesus, you don't have Christianity as Jesus intended it, you have religion. You have religion. You can have all that stuff, but if you don't have friendship with Jesus, if you don't find yourself desiring Him and loving Jesus and wanting to be with Him, you do not have Christianity as Jesus intended it. And what you, instead, what you have is you have religion. As we close this morning, I just want to, I want to let you have a moment with the Holy Spirit. What, is, what does your faith consist of? What does your faith consist of? Is being here this morning like, like talking about Jesus as like a historical figure that we're just learning some more interesting information about? What, what, what does your faith consist of? Or, or do you love Jesus? Do you long for him? Do you desire him? Do you truly want to know Jesus more? And when you keep friendship with Jesus at the center of your faith, you will have your eyes on the right place and you will not drift into religion. If you're here this morning, you're stuck in a place where you've just been trying, 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 working, working, working so hard, feel, feeling like that is how you're going to earn God's favor, you need to know this morning that that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, He doesn't just break the, 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 the bondage that comes from sin and shame and guilt and in religion. He, he doesn't just break that off your life. The Bible actually says he, he takes a, a step way further. He makes you his son. He makes you his daughter. You're no longer a slave, the Bible say, says. You are a child of God. Don't, don't allow yourself to live under a perverted gospel. Don't allow yourself to become enslaved to religion. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on on the work that he has done, on how he performed on your behalf. And when you do that, you will find the freedom that can only be found in Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful for your word that says we are no longer slaves to sin. The curse has been broken. We instead are children of God. Lord, I, I pray God for that person this morning that has heard those words before, but hasn't really grabbed a hold of what it means to be a a child of God who is loved, who is accepted, who is approved, based not on their works, but on the work that you have done on the cross. God, for that person in this room who feels like they just have to, to keep striving and being perfect and following all the rules just right as if that's going to be what, what makes their Father in Heaven happy. God, I pray this morning that, God, they would see truth for what it is, that, God, they would understand that, God, it's, it's through simple faith and trust that, God, you clothed us in your holiness, in your righteousness, and, God, you make us right with you. God, you did all the performing for us. God, I pray that, Jesus, there would be a freedom that comes this morning. God, bring freedom. God, that person who's been bound up in religious living. God, I don't care if it's a person who's been going to church their whole life or maybe a teenager that just started going to church and has already fallen for the trap of religion. God, I pray this morning that God, you'd bring freedom knowing that you have done the work on our behalf. God, I pray that, that Jesus, we'd be able to walk out of here God, like that figure skater whose, who's, the pressure of performing is off. God, may we walk out of here, God, wanting to follow you, God, wanting to, to obey you, not because that's going to be what earns your favor, but God, simply because we love you and we trust you. And we know that you want what's best for us. God, help us to have that kind of a heart posture today, I pray. God, thank you for the freedom that you bring. God, thank you that who the sun sets free is free indeed. Thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is not bondage, but there is freedom. There is freedom. There is freedom. I just declare that in this place today. There is freedom. God, for that person that's just shackled by religion, God, I declare freedom this morning. That today's a new day. That when they walk out of here today, it's it's a new day, a new moment in their faith with you. God, let, let it let it be about joy. Let following you be about peace. God, let it be about about just a lightness because we've got you and you've done all the work for us. God, let it be a new day today. I pray your name, Jesus. And everybody set?